This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a good day out there today. Got a lot to get to today. I know they say that a lot, but I got a big rundown. I always list out everything I'm going to talk about on the show, make a lot of show notes, stuff like that. I was worried about today because there wasn't, didn't feel like there was a lot going on. I started making notes and I was like, well, actually, there is a lot going on. It's the end of March. There should be, I guess, but just kind of crept up on me that here we are with so many things to get to today. Randy Johnson will join me here in a little while. Covers Gopher Hockey for the Star Tribune. Gophers play UMass 5 p.m. tonight in the NCAA first round. We'll see how that goes for Bob Motzko's team, the number two seed in that regional. UMass the number three seed, but UMass also should have the benefit of some home crowd out there in the East and also is the defending NCAA champs. So right out of the jump, a tough one for the Gophers. I'll get into that more with Randy here in a little while and talk about the other Minnesota teams in the tournament. Fared quite well on Thursday. Got to talk about NCAA men's basketball tournament, which was quite good on Thursday. Got to talk about Zadarius Smith's contract, how maybe it's not quite as big as it initially seemed, and the Vikings pursuing another former Packers player, this one a cornerback in free agency. But first, what did I miss? Let's start with the Wild, which will flow naturally into another near and dear favorite subject of mine. Wild beats Vancouver 3-2 in overtime. On Thursday, good win for the Wild. Um, you know, had some breaks that didn't necessarily go their way as they kind of moved through that game. Had a goal disallowed. That was, you know, a, a good call. But anytime that happens, you worry about um, you, you worry about momentum, things like that. But they they kept their composure. Game got to overtime. Then an absolutely beautiful goal by uh, Joel Eriksson Eck in overtime on a breakaway to finish that one off for the Wild. Now all of a sudden. This wild team has won four games in a row. We talked about the slide they were on. That slide is no longer. Cam Talbot been playing quite well before and after the trade for Marc-Andre Fleury. He's actually won, counting them up right now. He has won his last seven starts um, playing quite well. And the Wild, in general, have been playing a little bit more um, of a defensive game lately and I much probably much to the to the chagrin of Patrick Royce who we'll talk with on Monday again who loves the Dean Evison kind of free flowing style. Um they've they've had to kind of rein things in a little bit. I think they got kind of loose on that losing skid they were on and they've really kind of brought things um brought things back into a into a into a tighter game. And and Evison even addressed that after that win Thursday night against Vancouver. Here's a here's a little clip of him talking about that post game. Our game is has tightened up. I mean, it's it's had to, right? Um, you know, situations dictated that. Teams have dictated that. Um, Vancouver played great back to back. They had a lot of energy. They we didn't at the start. They flowed into that game and we did not. Um, but um, yeah, we liked. I think Freddie had eight scoring chances against, which is, which is good for you know, we got to play that type of hockey for sure down the rest of the rest of the way. And listen, like the fire wagon hockey is fun, right? Getting up and down the ice, scoring, winning five three six four. Those are fun games, but those are probably not how you're going to win most of the time in the postseason. So 
I get it. Uh, you know, you're struggling. Um, your game's gotten too loose. You got to do something. That's that's the natural counterbalance. You, you tighten things up. You, you you get a little bit more defensive, and it's worked. They've won four games in a row. They've allowed just five total goals in those four games. All of them started by Cam Talbot. Uh, defense has been better. They've gotten you know the right the right additions lately, and you know they've only they've only scored twelve goals in those in those four games. That, that's enough when you only give up five total. That's a good goal differential. That's just three goals a game. I mean, so it does show they are winning largely with you know with keeping the puck out of the net, not putting the puck in the net. So it'll be interesting to see how they marry kind of their their identity as as time goes on because I do think they still thrive in kind of that transition quick you know quick skating you know being hard to play against and you know putting four or five goals in at a time but it's working right now it shows you can win multiple ways which is never a bad thing and you can win with multiple goalies I hope for their sake because sounds like Marc-Andre Fleury will start Saturday's game first of a back-to-back for the wild that one against Columbus and then they'll put Cam Talbot back in net Sunday for a big showdown against division-leading Colorado. Win moved the Wild, by the way, back into second place in the Central Division. And you should always, anytime you look at the standings, by the way, keep in mind that they have a game. They have games in hand against everyone in the West. They have played the fewest games in the Western Conference, tied for the fewest number of games in the entire NHL, just 62. Colorado's played two more. The Blues have played one more. Nashville's played three more. So the teams that they're you know, in their orbit or that they're trying to, you know, trying to compete against. They have played fewer games, and so they have more opportunities to stack up points than these other teams do. Flip side of that means they're going to have a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of a compressed schedule, as we've talked about, including coming up this weekend, like I said, with back-to-backs against Columbus and Colorado. That naturally flows into one thing I wanted to talk about before we get to Randy Johnson and even more hockey talk now that the dust has settled a little bit on a lot of these moves that teams are making, and I know the Vikings are still in the midst of it. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Maybe the Twins have another addition to make. We can certainly hope so uh, from their pitching staff. Now that some of the dust has settled and we're kind of reevaluating some of these teams and we've seen what they're up to, how their seasons have progressed, what pro team in Minnesota do we feel like has the best chance to win a championship next maybe let's say the timeline is the next five years who would you bank on the most to possibly win a championship in minnesota that's a tough question in my mind i mean i feel like the default answer when we consider all six of the major pro sports teams the default answer is always the links and i think what they've added this offseason puts them into that conversation again um but I think it's interesting to think about the Wild in that context because I think the Wild right now might have just as good a chance as the Lynx to win a championship in the next five years. I like the way they're constructed. It's going to have to be, it might have to be sooner rather than later because they're they're going to get themselves into some some salary cap you know difficulties here coming up with with Suter and Parisi's contracts and those buyouts hitting them pretty hard in the next two or three years after this, but. This year, they've, they've, they're in contention. I know they had that slide, but they, they, they're in contention. They've got the goalies to do it. They seem like they've got the four lines to do it. They've worked on shoring up their defense a little bit, although that's still a question mark to me. But 
You, know, you look at some of the advanced numbers. You look at some of the you know the the sites that that try to rank these things. They're like you know fifth or sixth best chance to win the cup this year, and you know second or third out of the West. You know beyond you know beyond Colorado and Calgary, I think the Wild's probably the best team in the West still. And again, that's going to mean they're going to have to go through one or both of those teams to make it. But it also means they are right there with those teams. So I put the Wild right there, kind of a one A with the links beyond that it gets tricky um i think minnesota united is looking strong at the start of this season they've got the seems like they have the right mix they've got the superstar with reynoso still they seem like they have the right mix of a little bit of youth and some veterans i don't know if i'd put them number three though uh, that said i don't know who I would, who else i would pick number three i think the vikings are a ways off i think you know i think they're going to be stuck in this kind of middle ground again this year um, you know, in the NFL, that gives you a chance. If you get in the playoffs in the NFL, you can get hot at the right time. You can, you can go on a run and get to the Super Bowl. I know that's true, and I know when you have a new coaching staff, when you have a new regime in place, there, there's always the possibility that that translates into more wins than you expect. But I don't put the Vikings in that category right now. I don't put the Twins in that category right now, even with the Carlos Correa signing. Although, again, with baseball having more teams making the postseason, there is a greater likelihood that if you just get in and get hot at the right time, you can do it. But the Twins, as currently constructed with their pitching the way it is right now, are not set to contend in 2022. They're possibly set to contend for the fringes of the playoff race, but I do not see them as a serious championship threat right now. Two years from now, maybe if some of that pitching pans out, but we got to wait and see on that the Timberwolves are interesting too not this year this isn't their year yet this is their year to 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 break through and get into the postseason I don't know what their ceiling is yet though I'm, I'm still wondering you know do they have one or two more levels to this or are they going to kind of plateau at a certain point with this roster so all of it bears watching all of it is fun to watch I think a lot of these teams are interesting I think they're every single one of these teams can be a winner, can make the playoffs this season. And that's interesting to me as well. I don't think we've had a season like that in a very long time. But if you're asking me who has the best chance to win a championship in the next three to five years, my answers are the Wild and the Lynx. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, excited to have Randy Johnson on Daily Delivery today. Not the Randy Johnson. Uh, I saw the uh, there was an anniversary. I think it's been 21 years since the pitcher uh, hit the bird with the pitch. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not to be confused with the former pitcher and the bird incident, but the college hockey writer at the Star Tribune, Randy Johnson, covers gopher football, of course, as well, but... This time of year, we shift to a lot of puck talk, and the Gophers playing UMass 5 p.m. Friday in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Um, Randy, when you when you saw that draw, you saw them get the number two seed in that region and have to play out east against the defending champ. What was your What was your thought? Well, I, I it was you know wasn't too surprising just the way the brackets you know with with the pairwise and everything. It, it was you know there's one or two ways that could could have gone and. Uh, that one, uh, it, it made sense, and especially attendance-wise, you, you have both uh, UMass and Northeastern in that regional in, in Worcester. So, uh, you know, NCAA likes to get fans there if they can, because, uh, you know, the regionals are, it's a, it's a tough uh, a tough uh, event for a lot of 
fans to get to because it's, it's very little notice in there at, at different parts of the country. Uh, you know, you got this year it's Albany, Allentown, Worcester, and then uh, uh, back to uh, Loveland, Colorado, where the Gophers were last year. So Gophers, obviously, they you know they had a great crowd. It sounded like at the uh, at that Big Ten final at at Mariucci, but couldn't get the win over Michigan. You know that said, where do you feel like this team is right now in its in its journey? Are they ready? Are they are are they in a good spot to play playoff hockey right now? Yeah, yeah, I think so. They 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 ended the season on a, on a pretty good run, a nine nine and one run. Uh, ended with that four uh, three loss to uh, Michigan on Saturday. Yeah, the, the crowd there was great. It was uh, the biggest in Mariucci history. So it was uh, and it was loud. It, it the, the nice thing about that it was a uh, um, it wasn't one that was driven by say season tickets because that the. Uh, the Big Ten tournament is not part of the season ticket package, so everybody that was there had to make the conscious choice to to buy the tickets for that game, as opposed to being part of a package. So it was it was a pretty good thing. But yeah, I I think they're uh, they're they're pretty ready, pretty much ready for this tournament. Uh, Bob Bosco saying that uh, it's good that they're going on the road. They've been at home too much lately. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's interesting because it's you know it's you know one and done now. So um, they don't uh, in the Big Ten tournament. You know, you, you had a a semifinal, then a final, a week apart. So it didn't didn't really have to say uh, as much of a tournament feel as sure. you would let when you get when you gather a bunch of teams at one place. But uh, now you got four teams in the regionals. They they the one wrinkle this this year is there is a day off between the games. So if the Gophers would win Friday, they would play Sunday the, uh, against the winner of a Western Michigan and Northeastern. So we've talked plenty already this year, just kind of about the the journey the Gophers went on this year and in how, you know, middle of the season they had so many things thrown at them, including, you know, their goalie departing for the pros. They had plenty of guys missing for the Olympics for a while. Um, It it feels like a team that has has overcome plenty. Um, Is that, you know, how how much does that play into, you know, even going back to the the start of the season? I mean, maybe we can get into some a little bit of this in, in a little while too, but just everything that you know, I'm sure people are familiar with Bob Motzko's story and just the the, the, yeah. the tragedy he's had to overcome. Sometimes that can play into how a team prepares and kind of carries itself into a tournament. Do you do you sense any of that with this team that they, you know, sometimes when a team has had a lot of adversity, they they do have a, a certain edge to them. I, I I think that yeah, I think that's something that you know they've had to deal with things this year. Uh, you know, especially the the goaltending situation in early January when. Uh, well, when Jack Lafontaine, uh, after after uh, a sweep at uh, Michigan State, uh, the next day he's uh, bound for the Carolina Hurricanes. Then uh, it falls in the lap of Justin Close, who's been spectacular, uh, put put up great numbers, uh, and just going about their business. I, you know, that's kind of what the whole team has, has done. It's just kind of like one foot forward, you know, after the other. It's it's uh, you know, it's it's like they haven't had time to you know necessarily sit back and think, oh, what was me. It's just it's just forged ahead and put together put together a really strong uh, second half of the season. If they're going to win this opening game, and especially if they're going to get to the Frozen Four, what in your mind is going to tell the story of of them advancing that far? Uh, I think a lot of it will have to do with uh, how they handle uh, UMass forward Bobby Trevino. He's he was the MV or the most outstanding player of the Frozen Four last year. He was the most outstanding player. Of the hockey East tournament this year, um, yeah, he, he's he's uh, quick. He's uh, he knows how to score big goals, and you know it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, the Gophers like their top D pair of uh, Brock Faber and 
Ryan Johnson, how, how, how they match up with him. I think that's one of the areas. The other is uh, uh, UMass has a tested goalie in Matt Murray, who uh, played in the national semifinal last year and uh, uh, beat Minnesota Duluth in overtime. Um, you know, it's, it's a veteran team that's won a lot of games. So, you know, it's it's uh, the Gophers. You know, they they have the experience from last year's tournament, winning one and then losing to uh, Minnesota State Mankato in the regional final. Um, no, I, I like the matchup. It's there's a there's a there's a lot to watch there. I believe. Now, this is a team that you know has not won an NCAA championship since 2003, and obviously Bob Motzko has gotten them on the right path again. You know, as as far as you think about where they are in their in their evolution, are they are they arriving at at a point where a national championship should be in in the conversation right now, or do you feel like they're still? Missing some pieces to, to 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 really be like you know going into this thinking we we've got we've got a, as good a chance as anybody. I, I would I would think uh, they has, they have a very good chance this year. They they have a lot of the pieces they need. <laughs> Their motto since uh, the middle of the year when when Lafon, when Lafontaine left was we have what we need, and then they turn around saying and we need what we have. Um, you know it, it's you know you got a player like Ben Myers who'll you know definitely be going pro after this year. He's a most highly sought after uh, college free agent. Um, you got you got guy like uh, Brock Faber, uh, second round draft pick of, of the of the Kings. There's a pretty good chance he, he goes after this year. He's a sophomore. Um, you know, so you kind of got to make hey when when guys when the high end guys like that are are uh, basically sophomores or juniors. You know, you're not always going to get a guy to stick around for four years. How is how is close done this and that? It just seems like such a you know, usually you kind of know what you have in a goalie, and maybe they had a reasonable expectation that he could perform pretty well. But I mean, to, to do what he's done, that that registers as such a surprise to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, he's just been been solid. You know, it's a situation where there's not a whole lot of wasted movement in the net with him. You know, he's not the biggest guy, so you know he's he's not going to just uh, you know sit there and have pucks bounce off. You know, he has to move around a little bit. Um, and just uh, talking to him in, uh, over the course of the season, it, he um, he doesn't seem like a quirky goalie, the, the stereotypical quirky goalie type guy. You know, sure. he seems pretty even even keel and everything and just, you know, doesn't let a whole lot bother him. A couple more things for you, Randy, before we let you go and, uh, you know, continue binge watching college hockey all <laughs> all weekend um you know we you referenced it was the biggest crowd in in Mariucci history for that Big 10 uh championship game that they had lost to Michigan and you know a lot has been made over the years of this the transition to the Big 10 how that maybe hurt hurt some things attendance wise in the short run and there's i think there's a famous picture from 3 or 4 years ago of the Big yeah. 10 you know Big 10 game being practically empty at that building what yeah. what do you think is what do you attribute the you know is it the opening up again of a lot of things is it this team capturing people's particular imagination how, how did they get ten thousand fans in the building for that game it, it, it's a combination of a lot of things first of all um you know this team is on the rise and I think you know its success is is winning winning some people over uh, another big thing is the student section the students uh, have been outstanding this year uh, they expanded uh, over the last few games expanded the student section to five sections instead of three. And they filled it. Uh, that's been great. Another thing, tickets for the Big Ten semifinals uh, were twenty bucks. Uh, tickets for the Big Ten final were thirty, and that's a lot more reasonable 
than they've been in the past. It's, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you can't, I don't see how they can, uh, if you, if you're going to charge 50, 60 bucks for a ticket, you're not going to get as many people to, to buy those tickets. I don't think nope. so that that's been part of it. Um, yeah, you know, you still have people that are upset that they're in the big 10 and you're always going to have that. Um, I, we'd all prefer if it was back to the days of the old WCHA where they, you know, you'd have the fruit, um, the final five at, uh, at the X and, you know, you'd get up to 20,000 people in that building and, you know, you'd have all the lo- local teams there, but unfortunately we don't have that anymore. Uh, but to me, it's like, do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? You know, you right. still have a college hockey team here, you know, you know, if, if they're playing well, you know, you're playing well, you should, should want to go and watch them. Yep, the opportunity is there this year. I'm sure they could garner an even bigger fan base if they can get to the Frozen Four, and if, especially if they can win a championship for the first time in 19 seasons. Well, Randy, good stuff. Enjoyed always catching up with you on college hockey. You got you and I are both uh, college hockey fans on uh, on this Star Tribune staff, so I will be watching all weekend as well. Um, enjoy the games, and we'll catch up with you soon, okay? Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Great catching up with Randy Johnson, as always. Nobody loves college hockey more than Randy Johnson. I, don't, I, I, I sincerely believe that. He is a college hockey enthusiast, loves the sport, was watching all day Thursday. I'm sure he will be watching all day today. And if you were watching all day Thursday, it was kind of a Minnesota hockey lover's dream Thursday, uh, Minnesota Duluth beats Michigan Tech 3-0. They are through to the region final. Um, Minnesota State, Mankato beats Harvard 4-3. A tight one there. That one got close late, but 4-3 after they were up 2-0. Another great result for MSU Mankato. They get through to the region finals. Well, or yeah, region final. And University of North Dakota loses to Notre Dame in overtime. I know there's a lot of fans around here who's you know, whose celebration begins when North Dakota loses. They fall 2-1 in overtime, a tough one for North Dakota. So we will see if they can keep those good North, good Minnesota vibrations going today. I, you know, I still have a soft spot for North Dakota. That's where I'm from. But that rivalry, of course, changed for me when I came to Minnesota, when I came to school at the University of Minnesota so many years ago so that I, I I don't know I don't feel the same way that a lot of you do about that but if you are a Minnesota hockey fan of a certain bent that was a very good Thursday for you let's move on Vikings we got to talk a little bit about the Zadarius Smith contract because when it happened we were like oh man they they really went all out for Zadarius Smith three-year contract that could be worth as much as you know 47 million dollars with certain bonuses but it was being billed initially as a three-year, $42 million contract, kind of, but in all practical purposes, it seems like more of a uh, more like a one-year deal, maybe worth about $9 million, $10 million, because there's not much dead cap money after this season. Um, there's only $11.5 million of it was guaranteed. Um, you know, the cap hit this year is only $3 million, a little more, little more than $3 million. So it's relatively easy to fit that one under the cap. You know, next year, his base salary, his, uh, his, his nine, nine million. The year after that, base, base salary is 14 million. But the dead cap 
after this year is only three million dollars. You could you could get out after just one year and nine and a half million dollars if things don't work out with him. So not as much of a risk, not as much of a gamble, not as much of an all-in move as we might have thought. Which, you know, frankly, makes me feel a little bit better about it. it makes me feel a little bit like. You know, they're being prudent with their money that this is, you know, a guy who, if healthy, could could give them a lot of production this season who's going to make, you know, who's going to earn his money if if that indeed, you know, if that indeed happens. But that they're not, you know, not putting a big cap number on him, only a little over $3 million. Like I said, that makes me feel better about their chances to, you know, to build around him and build build more on this team. Speaking of which... Cornerback Chandon Sullivan reportedly going to visit the Vikings this week, a free agent. Um, reading from Andrew Kramer's story here in the Star Tribune. By the way, Andrew and I did a Access Vikings podcast that just went live on Thursday. You should check that out as well. But uh, started 20 games as Green Bay's slot corner over the last two years. Had three interceptions last season. Vikings very much need help in the secondary. They have very little experience at corner right now. They've, you know, they've got Cameron Dantzler, Chris Boyd, Harrison Hand, and Perry Nickerson under contract. That is not going to get it done, I don't think, in uh, in in the 2022 season. So all along, you would have expected them to sign more guys. Um, Chandon Sullivan could be a good fit here if they don't want to re-sign. Mackenzie Alexander, who of course played slot corner here last year, was here prior to that before departing in free agency. One of those, you know, guys that came back. Mike Zimmer loved those guys that he knew he was familiar with. Um, but the Vikings certainly need corners. Oise Adolfo Mensa had addressed that on Wednesday, said, We think guys have a chance to play well. We like our youth. It's going to be a little bit of a different scheme, so it's not exactly relatable to what they were doing previous to now. You have avenues, free agents are there, the draft is there. So probably, you know, even if they sign um, Shannon Sullivan, it sounds like they probably would need one or two more, just one more, just two more uh, to, to be competitive on that back end. But again, not necessarily a position you have to spend big on. We'll be interesting to see if they end up keeping Patrick Peterson, who has expressed an interest in coming back, or if they go a different direction at that position. Let us finish with the cooler NCAA men's basketball tournament. Thursday was awfully good. I didn't like the result of the Duke game. I don't root for Duke. Um, I know Mike Krzyzewski's on his farewell tour. It's a good story. Um, I, I don't. I just. I can't root for him. I don't. I don't like it. But that game against Texas Tech was fantastic. Um, a really good tournament game. These these Sweet Sixteen. These elite. Eight games are often the best ones of the tournament that held up big time on Thursday. You had Duke, you know, coming through winning that game. Arkansas knocking off number one ranked um, Gonzaga in in the in the in the in the quarter in the in the region um, region semifinals. That was an impressive performance by them. I mean, this thing is just wide open now. That Arizona also lost to Houston. Arizona and Gonzaga prohibitive prohibitively the two favorites to win this tournament both of them out before the final four both of them out before the elite eight losing to a four seed and a five seed respectively so this tournament just got blown wide open with those results 
um, on Thursday. And now, you know, now it's really anybody's tournament. I don't know who the favorite would be right now. I think I like Villanova right now. They, they beat Michigan, stopped that run. They're through to the Elite Eight after that 63-55 win. I don't know who the favorite is right now. I'm, I'm honest. Let's like any of the 12 remaining teams could 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 win this tournament. Maybe not St. Peter's, but why not? Um, any of these teams could still do it at this point with the with Gonzaga and Arizona out. So that will be fun to watch. The women's tournament should be great to watch as it resumes today as well. A lot of good stuff to watch this weekend. And that will do it for me today. Go watch all those sports. I'm going to do the same thing, and I'll be back at it Monday with Patrick Royce to talk about everything that happened.